and welcome to Rebel Hearts, a podcast dedicated to women in the music industry and the challenges that they face. Each episode features songs by your new favorite band and where you can find them. Come on, the show is starting. I'll see you guys at the front. Hey guys and welcome back to Rebel Hearts. This is episode 35 and sorry it took me literally forever and a day to finally do another episode but I was waiting for Pat as you guys know since we did the Grammys episode we knew that it was going to be a while until we were going to be able to record the Oscars episode since it was literally a little over a month ago and I don't think either of us realized when the Oscars were so I have finally tracked down Pat. We're finally hanging out. We're finally going to talk about them. There's a lot of shit that has happened um either right after the episode that we recorded or like right before and we just didn't have time to mention it. So buckle up. This might be a long one. There's a lot of information coming at you, but hope you guys are here for the ride. So as always, here is Patrick. Hi, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) So good to be back. We're Um, we're so happy that you're here. Oh, thank you. Yeah, a lot of stuff has happened in the meantime. Uh, We got a lot to cover, a lot of ground to cover. So let's get it started. <laughs> let's get it started. So anyway, so the Oscars happened. We're recording this on March 12th. The Oscars, I think, were last week. So I think it was like the fifth or something. Yeah. So I didn't watch it as per usual because, you know, why would I watch it? Um, and we're going to talk about a couple of the nominees like we did with the Grammys. And we're going to talk about our favorites. And we're going to talk about the winners and all of that. So we're going to start off with Best Picture. Shape of Water won. Again, I didn't see it. I still didn't see it since the last time that we recorded and Pat told me that I had to see it. Pat loved it. <laughs> it was good. It was, um, yeah, I mean, I thought, I think it deserves its win. You know, it was a bunch of, um, let alone, uh, it wasn't only Oscar bait. It was like a genre blending film that obviously no one has ever made because no one has ever made a movie about a woman fucking a fish before. But besides that, it's like, yeah, it's a beautiful love story. Beautiful to look at. Um, Music is incredible. A lot of craft put into it. And honestly, I think that a large part of Shape of Water winning was that Pan's Labyrinth was snubbed so many years ago. And like, you know, personally for me, Pan's Labyrinth is a superior. But I think this was them trying to kind of, uh, (laughs) you know, make up for the fact that it's going to get awarded Best Picture. I was just upset because, like I said, I didn't see Shape of Water, and I think it deserved what it got only because it was so visually stunning and everything, and it was original. But call me by your name. Call me by your name, guys. All right. I knew it was kind of like I was hoping for too much for two gay movies to win two years in a row because Moonlight won last year. Call me by your name is one of those movies that will go down in history as a great movie that didn't win an Oscar. But that doesn't diminish, you know, the impact it made. Um, Beautiful movie, beautiful book, very intimate, great music. I mean, I think the music, like the music choice for this movie was probably one of my favorite things, actually. Yeah, I loved it. Well, we were talking about in the car, we were actually talking about how Shape of Water and Call Me By Your Name were different but similar in the way that they were visually stunning. Like Shape of Water is more, you know, modern day art where Call Me By Your Name is like, kind of you you were talking about how the book is supposed to be you know yeah like in the book you know they reference a lot of art and like Claude Monet and so like it was interesting to see in the film how they tied in all those you know all the 
scenery and how they kind of made each frame of that film like almost like a work of art that the characters were just living in which was really interesting it's like they were living in a painting essentially yeah but like more of a um i don't know the the way that call me by your name was shot it was kind of like uh i don't know how to describe it but it's kind of like a filter on a camera like an old like 90s camera or something yeah i mean it felt i think like the whole point i think like for the most part for like this color schemes you know you have a lot of earth tones a lot of mediterranean like uh colors going on i think it's just to add to the the motive of that their love is so natural that they use all these natural colors in it and it's very intimate so it feels kind of muted almost but it's still i yeah i think it's just kind of i think it just has um meaning (laughs) i i I really like the artistic style of crying by your name the shape of water like i said although i didn't see it i could obviously tell that it was just really artistically beautiful and it it is a stark difference you know yeah absolutely um yeah because yeah call me by your name is very muted all the color palette but it doesn't mean it's like it doesn't have an impact uh shape of water like very art deco very subterranean it kind of i don't what's the word i don't like almost like metropolis like yeah um, i know what you're trying to say it's hard it's kind of hard because i can't figure out what i'm trying to say it's like you have your your dark blues and everything in shape of water. And then you have like your light pinks and everything and call me by your name. It's mm-hmm. just the way that those two movies were shot, which is so well done and so different, but kind of, you know, they, they fit in the same family, but they're so different. It's great. Yeah. No, I think this year was very hard to decide for a best picture. Cause every si- I was saying while I was seeing these movies that like for the past couple months, it was such a great year for film because every single nominee deserves the best picture award in its own right you know everything brings something unique something innovative to the table Mm. and we're seeing at the oscars that like it's kind of less about these like very sappy or historical pieces winning and more about like innovative thinking and um you're seeing a lot more fictional movies win rather than something that's just I don't know, like maybe like Lincoln. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know? that's well, that's what I was saying. Like Darkest Hour was nominated, and that was kind of the Teddy Roosevelt film, right? I think he was uh, Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill. <laughs> wow, I'm sorry, guys. I you know, think... obviously, obviously, I know so much about history. My my total, you know, ignorance is showing there. Um, Call Me by Your Name was great. Shape of Water looked like everybody enjoyed it artistically. Darkest Hour, I didn't see. Dunkirk was Dunkirk was good for a war movie, like I keep saying. Um, get out me and Pat differ on opinions <laughs> for whatever reason I, listen I came into get out like 20 minutes into the movie how are you gonna do that because <laughs> my parents were watching the first, it like five minutes in the movie or uh, whatever All my right. parents were watching it and I didn't know what was going on it requires your full undivided attention I'm gonna rewatch it just for Pat's sake because he keeps telling me that I don't appreciate it and I have to no, it's, it's a masterpiece that will go down as a horror classic like people will be watching that 20 years from now being like wow, I still can't believe that this movie was made. It was totally groundbreaking, yeah. though. Like, I will agree. Like, even though for whatever reason I didn't like it, maybe because I didn't really get the whole thing because I came into it late, and, you know, I didn't really understand what was going on, and I wasn't really prepared. Like, I didn't know it was Get Out until, like, I had to ask my mom five minutes into me watching it, oh, is this Get Out? <laughs> so I feel like I didn't give it a fair chance, so I can't say I didn't like the movie, but it was definitely groundbreaking, and I definitely applaud it for everything that it, you know, it got it definitely yeah. deserved lady bird i didn't see pat liked 
I saw Phantom Thread. It was the most confusing time I've ever had in a movie theater. <laughs> yeah, I have to be honest. I really just had no, like... I <laughs> I watched it because I had Movie Pass, and I told you that I was trying to see all the Oscar movies. I told Pat when I was when it was over, I was trying to describe it to him, and I was like, you know, you might like it, but... <laughs> yeah, if you're going to watch a movie about fashion, do yourself a favor. Watch, like, Dior and I or something. Just watch Project Don't. Runway. Yeah. Just do yourself a <laughs> fucking favor at that point. Um, um, and neither of us saw the post or three billboards outside of Edding, Missouri. So, yeah, it was a pretty strong best picture um, yeah, category. Yeah, no, very, very good nominees. I know a lot of people thought that Get Out would be snubbed, so I'm really happy that it was included in there because I think it's a very important step to be taken, especially just being um, like an African-American director, but also being a horror film because... I don't think the last horror film that was nominated for an Oscar was The Exorcist. Oh, really? Yeah, the that original. Long ago? Yeah. Shit. I didn't. Re- I didn't realize it's been that long. But also, I haven't heard the last time that a horror movie was nominated. Yeah, you don't. You don't ever hear it. Yeah. It's kind of like how superhero movies don't win Oscars, and when Dark Knight won, it was kind of like this big yeah. thing because it it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're moving on from best picture. We're going to move on to a couple of the subcategories. Um, just kind of go through them a little quickly. Yeah. Best actress, uh, Frances McDermott. She won for three billboards outside of Edding, Missouri. Oh, is that a male or a female? Oh, That's fuck. Frances McDermott is a woman. Okay. Thank, <laughs> she, thank God. Sorry, guys. Um, oh, she, she was the lead character. She, yeah. She's <laughs> one of the Coen brothers wife. She worked on Fargo and, uh, burn after reading as well. That's probably why she won. Yeah. She's done incredible work. She's an incredible, incredible actress. A lot of people, I mean, personally, I, I saw her uh, acceptance speech live and it was a trip. It was really, you know, I have to respect her, but the like she got up there like pretty manic and was like screaming and like shaking her fist. But what she did was pretty cool. She um, at the end of her speech, she was like, all right, I want every single female nominee tonight to stand up and accept this award with me. It doesn't matter if they won or lost. So every single every category, costume design, sound design, um, mixing, everything. And so they all uh, stood up while she was accepting the award, which I thought was really cool. And then she was like, she told the men, she said, take a look around, look at these women, invite them into the, invite them into your office or have them or go to their offices and listen to their ideas, make their films, you know? So I thought that was really cool. Well, that's like uh, what, Je- what you were telling me about Jessica Chastain, if you want to go into that really quick. Oh, she's incredible. She Jessica Chastain does not get enough doesn't get the credit she deserves she's a fantastic actress but also as just somebody who is pushing um not only like the me too movement forward but also just the equal like female equality movement she did this thing with octavia spencer where they bundled their salaries together so um there would be no way that octavia spencer would be getting paid less than jessica chastain would be because it's no secret, like, you know, America is full of racist people. <laughs> like, I'm not saying everybody is, but it, it is a problem we have. And even other countries look in on us and, you know, they see that we have an issue. And within Hollywood, it's no different. So whereas they might be playing um, very similar roles or something, you know, Jessica Chastain is going to be making at least twice her salary. So, yeah, so I think... Um, that whole bundling of salaries thing is genius. Jessica Chastain also owns her own production company, which people don't know about. So she's very involved behind the scenes and she has her hands in everything. And I think people kind of um, underestimate her 
and then she like like I she'll sit sit you down and learn <laughs> you something. You, she'll tell you what's up. I yeah. just thought it was really cool. Pat was telling me about um her production company and everything and how men will come in and be like, Well, why don't you do any of the male ideas? And it's like, Well, she A, she's doing what she thinks is good and it just happens to be all females. But like Yeah, 'cause she I think she said there she was like um I think they asked her, they're like, You don't seem to like involve yourself with a lot of male projects or something along those lines and she said i don't you know i don't really um look at who made the script i just read the script if it's good i'll make it i'll I'll get myself involved with it and if it's bad i won't and i think that's really what kind of hollywood needs to move forwards to because if it's art it doesn't matter who makes it exactly so i'm glad that she's not doing it on purpose it just happens to be the women who are writing what she likes you know are Mm -hmm. getting picked you know it's just not a male versus female thing so i i'm really glad that she's doing that i love jessica chastain she did an incredible job in molly's game yeah i loved it yeah now she's really using her like privilege as well i wouldn't even call it a privilege she's usually using her um position and like being like this white beautiful female in the movie industry to actually uplift like minorities and which is fan. That's good. That's great. <laughs> we love. She's taking it. action. Yeah. We love Jessica. Um, other nominees for Best Actress were Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water, Margot Robbie in I Tanya, Soros Ronan for Lady Bird, <laughs> Sersha. Sersha. Oh yeah. my gosh, I'm so sorry. The way that it's uh, spelled is. Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be awful. <laughs> and then Meryl. Meryl was nominated for the Meryl, post. The seat filler. Mer- <laughs> don't give her any more oscars we fucking love meryl we love meryl i know she's, a lot, she's incredible but <sighs> yeah it's true how many oscars yeah, do you really need meryl like, right, we, we got four we got f- how many we got five people four people let's uh throw meryl in there just <laughs> just to even <laughs> just, it out. For, just yeah. for funsies just to make them all sweat <laughs> you know i did like i tanya and I don't, I don't know i think margot robbie did a decent job but i i definitely think that there were stronger contenders. I don't know if there were stronger contenders in this category, in this group of women per se, but I don't think that Margot Robbie's performance in I, Tanya was like this Oscar award winning, groundbreaking, incredible thing. Yeah. And also I don't know where the accent came from because she sounded very like her Harley Quinn kind of Brooklyn, like <laughs> the way well, that she's doing <laughs> acting. I feel like a lot of people forget that Margot Robbie's literally at the beginning of her career and she's only accepted like a few film roles. She'll get an Oscar. Like she's a great actress. Maybe not for this, but eventually she'll have one. Definitely. I mean, she's still young and she's only really, she's done a lot of big films, but she's only done like a couple of films. Like she hasn't yeah. really been in a lot of them. You know, she broke out in Wolf of Wall Street, which was incredible. Yeah. I loved Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, but I don't know. I just Tanya Harding is not a Brooklyn accent sounding person. And I was listening to interviews from Tanya Harding and I was like, why did she go so far out with this Brooklynized accent? And I know that's kind of like her character type now, but a Margot Robbie's Australian. So she's not even like from Brooklyn. She doesn't even have that accent for real. And two, Tanya Harding is not a woman who speaks like that so i don't understand where the accent came from it's kind of like jennifer lawrence and red sparrow what russian accent were you oh, doing God. because nobody knows yeah i don't know i 
I haven't seen I, Tanya yet. I'm going to see it soon. It was I definitely promise. worth watching, but I don't think that it was a yeah. Oscar award winning, winning performance. But let me tell you. I think the two main contenders. <laughs> yeah. I honestly, like, I think the two main contenders for this were going to be Saoirse or Francis. Saoirse is one of those other people that, you know, she's so young. She's just at the start of her career. She'll have an Oscar in no time. But she, Saoirse is an incredible, incredible. She's like magnetic to watch you can't stop watching her she'll definitely get something i mean like you just said she's in the beginning of her career it's not like this is the end all it's not like her career is over because she didn't win this uh this oscar Mm -hmm. okay so that was actress so best actor which is kind of go through quick gary oldman won for darkest hour which i think was good because man is winston churchill it i i did not know it was gary oldman to be honest so like good on him good on the makeup people like congrats on that but our boy timothy he deserves everything and more he deserves the fucking world call me by your name it was so dang captivating he is in he's just a star i really you know i really thought he had it honestly i'm not mad you know i'm definitely not mad because gary oldman is one of the greatest actors of our time mm-hmm. and i mean yeah look who you went up against daniel day lewis the most awarded oscar <laughs> nominee ever and like denzel washington and <laughs> if you're nominated alongside denzel washington gary oldman and daniel day lewis in your first role you're doing okay. I mean, same with Daniel Kaluuya. It's his first major film role or American film, and he got nominated as well. Like, they both, that's, like, such a milestone in its own right. This is such a, a heavy-hitting um, group of people. Like, just staring at the names, you're like, fuck. Yeah, it, it was, I, you know, it just, I think it's... Uh, it just <laughs> Timothy cries so good. <laughs> I, I love I love a man who knows how to cry well on yeah. camera. <laughs> he just cries so well, but <laughs> he fucked a peach real good. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that scene will haunt me for the rest of my life. That was well shot. I mean, what, I mean a, a boy you should you should, a peach. you should read it. It's like a two page thing. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> But not that I'm complaining. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. It's that the was... reason why I bought peaches at the supermarket. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that was Best Actor. Like I said, not a lot to say here. I mean, great heavy-hitting uh, people. Gary Ullman definitely deserves it. I love him. So we're going to move on to Best Director, Shape of Water 1, which... Kind of wasn't surprising, to be honest. A lot of people thought it was going to go to Jordan Peele for Get Out. A lot of people also thought it was going to go to Greta Gerwig for um, Lady Bird. And I don't think anybody thought I Dunkirk ha- was going to win. No. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, Christopher Nolan. Um, I have to say, I really did think Jordan Peele would get it. I think, I think he just des- I think he deserved it a little bit more than Guillermo del Toro. Like he know Guillermo del Toro is a fantastic director. He really knows how to like work with all of his actors and he really knows how to like craft worlds. But Get Out is just there's just so much finesse and nuances in it that It was his first yeah, movie. On your first feature film, like I I think he was uh, he was robbed. <laughs> this is highway robbery yeah he was i'm, I'm sorry I, th- I really do think he deserves it i think but. he deserved it because i think the film was just really groundbreaking whereas the shape of water you know was visually stunning and it was a great movie but i think uh-huh. that get out kind of deserved to have a stake in there i think it deserved yeah. to win because 
like we keep saying, uh, it was his first feature film, you know, and he did an amazing job on it. So yeah. I think that he should have been awarded for that. I mean, he did win something in the night. He won a best original screenplay. I know I'm jumping ahead, but yeah, I definitely think he deserved best director as well because I think he did a fantastic job. Yeah, and I also think that Get Out is one of those movies that will endure a little better than The Shape of Water. For you know, sure. I think in 30 years, you're not like people aren't going to be like, oh, I'm still watching The Shape of Water, you <laughs> know, like, but I know like in 30 years, I'd probably still be watching Get Out being like, wow, this was an incredible movie. That might be a cult classic at that point. you know. Oh, I think I yeah, I think it is a classic in its own right already. All right. So that was Best Director. I'm going to skip a couple of um, the uh, categories here. Uh, original score went to Shape of Water. Big fucking surprise. But like to be honest, Shape of Water was up against Star Wars, Dunkirk, The Phantom Thread, and Three Billboards. Like, mm. I do have to say though, The Shape of Water's music was really beautiful. It I'm was, sure like, it very was French and classical. I mean, like Star Wars. Who is nominating Star Wars for Best Original Score? It's literally Space Sound. But John Williams is—he's a legend. <laughs> he's okay, like, but like, doesn't he's the mean- man who made that. Congratulations, that's not a score. (laughs) That is literally a theme song. Dunkirk, why the fuck is that in there? Literally, I don't even remember any of the music in Dunkirk. Was there even a score? I don't even remember. Um, I just remember Harry Styles being in it. (laughs) Phantom Thread. Phantom Thread had a decent soundtrack. I'm not going to lie. I keep saying soundtrack, I mean score. The Phantom Thread had a decent score. I personally thoroughly enjoyed the music in it so that that's okay and we didn't see three billboards so we can't say anything about that (laughs) cinematography oh i got things for cinematography okay okay? because blade runner won okay i mean i I hated that movie really i haven't seen it but from what i could see from the trailers it looks like visually stunning visually it was stunning so I, i it probably does deserve the cinematography as opposed to Dark Sour, Dunkirk, Mudbound, and The Shape of Water. I mean, those are strong contenders, though. I I won't lie. Like, Shape of Water, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Dunkirk, even though it was a war movie, was really well done. Darkest Hour looked very dark and looked like, you know, it could have had some decent cinematography. <laughs> but I just hate Blade Runner so much. Not because it wasn't visually stunning, but it's because it was just a bad movie for, like, three hours that made no sense. Ryan Gosling, why are you doing this? Jared Leto, why do we keep letting this quote-unquote method actor a method act in these movies where he's in for like 20 seconds i can't i just hate it's, for, it's for like the white older moms who are like how about that jared leto oh my god he was in uh he my was, so-called life he was around when i was 30 <laughs> <laughs> like, more or less like pretty, yeah. everyone the emos are like 30 seconds to mars love the kill and then <laughs> moms are like you see him he was on abc how about that jared leto huh what a hunk <laughs> <laughs> the joker who is she don't know her <laughs> anyway i just wanted to bring up blade runner not because it didn't deserve best cinematography it's just mm-hmm. because that movie was fucking awful mm-hmm. oh my god good to look at but like please stop casting jared leto in these movies and stop making him send dead rats to his co-stars because like <laughs> we're all fucking over it anyway original screenplay went okay. to jordan peele for get out thank mm-hmm. god <laughs> very well deserved very i couldn't think of a single person in that category that's it's more well deserved i mean you could argue ladybird i guess i i haven't seen the big sick but i know it was incredible oh, i love the big sick but i think get there out was, was no definitely, choice but get out yeah to be honest like i i saw the big sick and it was one of my favorite movies of the year i'm not gonna lie but it was mm-hmm. more of like 
it reminded me of 500 days of summer just the way that the story was and everything yeah so i don't think that it was up to par with get out i think the big sick was just a great movie Mm -hmm. but also it was more based on real life so it's kind of like somebody telling their autobiography just really beautifully yeah, it's almost like a memoir exactly so i think that get out definitely deserved it because it was original yeah. you know not not to say that the big six not original but it's like this happened to you like you didn't make this up you just kind of wrote down the events that happened to you yeah get out is completely original from start to finish and all like the parallels it draws from what's going on in the country now and draws them into the movie i don't know I, yeah, deserved it, there was no choice i think for this one it, it had to go to him definitely and then um so that was best original screenplay we we love get out we're mm-hmm. you know we're pleased with that now adapted screenplay we're also really stoked about because call me by your Yay. name finally got what she deserves <laughs> yes i am so happy that call me by your name won at least something for the night because that movie was so fucking good pat's all, all right. twice <laughs> as some yeah as somebody who read the book and seen the movie twice um yeah, I think it transitioned so well to screen. And like I, I was saying this before that, you know, the book offers you things that the movie doesn't as well as the movie offering you things that the book doesn't. But either way, they complement each other so well. It's not one of those movies you see and you just immediately think, oh, well, the book was better. They both offer like s- very substantial things. Um, and also it's great that, this <laughs> this old really old man who has been writing for his entire life finally got the recognition he deserves i think because honestly i don't think he'll make another film after this oh no yeah stop. but he deserves it we love we love that yeah <laughs> we love a a an underdog story <laughs> of a man who's been writing underdog, his entire yeah. life <laughs> He's <laughs> underdog that's been nominated for a few Oscars before this. But. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Uh, they were Call Me By Your Name was up against the disaster artist Logan, Molly's Game, and Mudbound. Molly's Game, like I said, was super good. And I think that it wouldn't have been as good without Jessica Chastain and the man who played her lawyer. Now, the man who played her lawyer, I, I don't know his name off the top of my head, but he's kind of a fictionalized character. He didn't really exist in molly bloom's real story but i loved their relationship in the film they they just meshed really well and i think that their chemistry is like uh, you know they they didn't they weren't romantically involved or anything but the chemistry between the two characters was just electric and i think it really brought everything together and jessica chastain is just incredible i think she deserves so much more and i definitely think that she deserves to be in more movies so please keep picking up movies jessica chastain i I, yeah i can't (laughs) wait for her to uh, she's starring in part two of it she's gonna play beverly oh nice casted so beverly we deserve i know so that's really exciting i i think that it's coming out not this year but next year yeah i I mean i hope so i hope Ah. they don't do that thing where they're like all right we're gonna release this 25 years later like the book says (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well jessica chastain's gonna yeah, be uh like 85 so yeah she's still gonna play her <laughs> she's gonna still look that good <laughs> probably um yeah that was best adapted screenplay i'm gonna move down a little bit film editing went to dunkirk well should we go to back to director for a second yeah yeah and talk about the um emma stone thing oh yeah sure i 
you know what's funny is that I I completely forgot as yeah. I was uh, as I was reading it and staring at the screen. I forgot that I wanted to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So it's a good thing that Pat brought it up because I would have thought about it later on and it wouldn't have made sense. <laughs> but anyway, so people are upset at Emma Stone and surprise, people are upset at Emma Stone. So this time people are upset because she is criticized for quote unquote peak white feminism for her best director introduction at the Oscars. Now, you guys all probably know that Natalie Portman at the Golden Globes she said all the male nominees for best director when um, they were presenting. So everybody kind of applauded that and they're like, yes, get her Jade. And <laughs> oh my God, people were, people were so into it. They're like, yes, Natalie, you're a badass bitch, you know, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And then Emma Stone kind of did a similar thing and she got a lot of backlash. I think it's very unfair. I think it's super unfair that people are criticizing her for it because I don't know. It's just, it, I feel like she, there was no malicious intent behind it. And I'm sure that no matter what ethnicity or race, the female in that category was, she would still say, you know, like the, and the one female, you know, it, I, I think it's regardless of race um, or ethnicity or, you know, nationality. I think that as a woman, you know, she, we have this whole me too movement going on and she's, she's, I guess, trying to be involved in it as much as she can. So she saw an opportunity and she took it and maybe, you know, it did backfire, but we're talking like, I don't know. I don't think she, I don't think it was anything hard. And like, what is she going to like individually be like, like, it, yeah, it would have been nice if she was like, and these, this, like <laughs> the one white man, yeah. the person of color. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't, I don't know. I feel like people are. People are just it a little too. They're too so hard. Qui- they're so quick to to call out quote unquote peak white feminism. Mm-hmm. For for those of you that don't know what happened, she said it is it is the director who's in, indelible indelible is that what, is indelible that touch <laughs> indelible touch is reflected on every frame. Stone said it is the director who shot by shot, scene by scene, day by day works with every member of the crew to further the story. And then she said, these four men and Greta Gerwig created their own masterpieces this year. And people were upset because there was a um, a man of color, uh, Jordan Peele, right? Mm-hmm. And then there was a, um, uh, what is he? He's Hispanic? Uh, he's Mexican. He's yeah, Mexican. Yeah, he's an immigrant. Right, right. So people were upset because they're saying, oh, you know, of course, peak white feminism. They had to, she had to forget about the whole uh, people uh, person of color there's two men of color you know all of this stuff and it's just like when is it enough but that's the thing like all right so i i would definitely i would definitely definitely understand if there is a woman of color and maybe a like a woman from an immigrant from another country and she just said you know like these whatever these men and greta gerwig and like or just ignore those other two women i would get that, that people would be outraged by that you know but I feel like what like what how could she have possibly phrase that that wouldn't have offended anybody we're supposed to the whole thing and the whole point of Natalie Portman saying what she said and a lot of people doing what they're doing and a lot of speeches that are happening are to celebrate women because they're oftentimes forgotten so I think that Emma Stone was trying to do the right thing by she wasn't throwing away the fact that there is Jordan Peele and Guillermo del Toro but she was kind of celebrating the fact that there was a woman in the category you yeah. know she is a director and you know women don't 
women directors are not often nominated for Oscars. Their women directors aren't common. Period. Right. That's not what because I'm they're not talented, or not because they're not willing to work. It's because they're just not happening. Yeah, the industry. There's a problem with sexism in the industry. They want to give it to men. You know, they think men are be- like leaders and all that. It's just, but this, yeah, this pr- this Oscar proved that, like, you know. Like you have someone like Greta Gerwig who's never made a film in her entire life get nominated for an Oscar, has the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes of all time, like has her actress nominated for an Oscar. And then I don't know. It's just I listen, I understand where people are coming from in a sense like, yes, we should be talking about people of color. We should be celebrating people of color. We should be celebrating marginalized groups and, you know, minorities and all of that. And I totally agree. But this was not the quote-unquote peak white feminism that people are trashing Emma Stone for. And I think it has a lot to do with because people had a problem with Emma Stone for working with Woody Allen, which I definitely agree is really shitty. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that. Yeah, I don't agree with her working with him. And I'm kind of upset because I do love Emma Stone. So that bums me the fuck out. But honestly... um, the other thing that people are upset about me and Pat also have the same stance on is people are upset that she was uh, in the movie Aloha and she played a, um, was it Chinese American, Asian American? Yeah. I believe it was an Asian American. I'm sorry if I'm, if I'm uh miss. Her character wasn't that. white in the book. Yeah. Put it that way. It was, it was of either Chinese or Asian descent. And um, people are upset because Emma Stone apparently knew that the woman was of that descent, was not white, and she took the role. Anyway, now what me and Pat have to say. Well, <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. I I really think that they should have casted somebody that fit the character's description, especially if you're adapting from a novel. Um, I think that it was wrong of them to whitewash uh, a main character. I think that a lot of people could have looked at that movie and, you know, like, well, it takes place in Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, maybe kids or something in Hawaii, could have looked at that movie and saw themselves in that character, but they chose purposely to cast Emma Stone. Does that make Emma Stone wrong? I don't think so. Yes, she had the ability to turn the the role down, but um, this is like someone offering you, like, maybe a role of a lifetime. You know, she wasn't getting a lot of movie roles back then. And this is someone offering her a lot of money and like a very like, you know, mainstream publicity. So I think it's less Emma Stone's fault and more maybe the production team, like the casting director, the director themselves and the writer for letting this happen in the first place. I think it is wrong, but I think that on Emma Stone's part, she holds less of the blame. It's kind of like if you work as a cashier at a restaurant and somebody is mad at you for the prices you know, you just work there. Exactly. And you can quit if you want, you right. know, you can quit at any time. But, but if you need the money, you you're need obviously. a job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like the same thing with Scarlett Johansson and Ghost in a Shell. It's it's kind of the same thing. People are upset about that. But it falls on the casting director. If you know that these characters are not white, why would you why would you cast white people? And it's like, yeah, you get the, you have the choice to not take the role but like if <laughs> if you need work and somebody's offering you a uh, a, a job you're not going to just say no especially if you haven't been working like she hasn't been working for a while so why would you turn it down so the only thing that i think that emma stone has done that's pretty shitty is the fact that she's still working with woody allen and 
that's not cool. And I'm definitely not in support of that. But everything else, Emma Stone is pretty crystal, crystal like squeaky clean for the most part, unless I'm missing something. If, if I'm missing something, then I'm sorry. But those are the only three things that I think that she's done that are controversial that people see. Nobody on the internet is ever happy. <laughs> it's true. That's why it, Emma Stone is not on the internet. Yeah. And by the way, the woman apparently is of Chinese and Hawaiian descent. Yeah, so like so, Polynesian, yeah. 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 Um, so I disagree that people... Uh, yeah, I disagree with the backlash. I think that maybe she could have worked... Maybe she could have worded it better, but I think if you're going to, um, you know, focus on this whole movement of female, like, you know, female empowerment within the industry, and then she actually does something to empower females, why is that so bad? It would have been similar if they did the same thing for Black Panther. You know, if if one of them went up there, one of the actors from the movie said, you know, and here's all the black nominees and, you know, one white person. It It's kind of similar in a sense, you know, no matter what, people would have been upset because they were calling out one person as opposed to the other marginalized groups. And it's just like... Yes. People need to take a step back, and I think people were pre- I think people were pissed at Emma Stone because of the Woody Allen thing and the Aloha thing, so they took it out. If you're gonna be pissed at her, be pissed at her for the for that. <laughs> yeah, be pissed at the Woody yeah. Allen thing. Don't don't drag a poorly worded speech that wasn't even that poorly worded. It's not like she no, said she was just acknowledging that there was ridiculous. one woman and four men. Right. It's like we were talking about the. If she want yeah. If she was focusing on. You know, racial tensions. I'm sure she would have said, you know, here are the four white nom- or five white nominees, including Gre- Greta Gerwig and the one African-American one. You know, I mean, either way, e- no way. If no matter what, she, if she said, you know, here are the four, here are like the five uh, American nominees and the one immigrant. People would have got mad at that. If she was to say, here are the five white nominees and the one African-American nominees, people would have got mad at that. I There's think people no were just winning. Mad at Emma, people were just mad at Emma Stone, yeah. and then they were just taking their their shot at her for this because they could. They saw an opening and they fucking yeah. took it. Um, another thing that we were actually talking about is a little off topic, but I feel like we should just bring it up really quickly because it is a cult follow. It has a cult following. Is RuPaul actually said something really controversial that I feel like we should bring up just because we are talking about uh, marginalized groups. RuPaul had said um, a couple of days ago, or maybe even a week ago at this point, he had said that. He doesn't want trans people on his show for Drag Race because he feels that drag is a test of masculinity and it's celebrating, you know, kind of anti-masculinity and all of this stuff and that it's punk rock to be a drag queen and all of this. And he doesn't want um, women in it. He just wants men you know well like yeah cis he, men. here's the thing as someone who's seen every single season um there have been multiple seasons where you know people struggle struggling with their gender identity have uh come out as trans and that's fine like that's i think it's incredible actually like one of my favorite people peppermint is a trans woman and i think that drag is a great way to experiment with gender to kind of find out who you are and i think that all people should be involved in drag but like RuPaul saying, you know, drag is like if you want to boil drag down to its like pure definition, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like um, almost a, it's performance. It's a man putting on wig and makeup, the dress, being funny, 
you know, doing a musical number. And I think that he he what he wants to say is that if it was someone who actually identifies as a female, um, then that's not drag. It's more just it's themselves. It's their identity, you know, because drag is something you, you put on, you take it off. Being a transgendered woman or man, you put it on or you become it or you've always been it, you know, but you can't take it off. It's who you are. I just, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I sorry to cut you off. I thought no, you were done. Um, he, well, then he's, at first he said that and I actually wasn't that upset because I'm like, listen, you know, he's making this kind of, he's making it his own culture kind of, and just, you know, this is who he wants in on his show. He wants to test masculinity. He wants to put it to the test. He wants to celebrate, you know, drag. Mm-hmm. And I res- I respected that because, you know, he wasn't saying a fuck you to trans people. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't being malicious about it. I think he was just standing by the fact that he did not want trans people on his show because he wanted it to stay, you know, a test of masculinity and breaking down, you know, toxic masculinity and all that. Yeah. Um, I think you have an article up by Monica Beverly Hills right now. Yeah, I don't know if this was the article. It says, I'm a trans woman and a drag queen, despite what RuPaul says, you can be both. Yeah, so Monica Beverly Hills, yeah, she's from season five. And at least I think she's from season five. Can you scroll up? Let me see the picture. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I couldn't. I couldn't. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I watched her season and, you know, she did come out as a trans woman, which I think it's total. it's fine. I get you, like, listen, any, anybody can do drag, regardless of gender even sexual orientation it's not even confined to gay people or yeah like lgbt people but um i think he really needs to choose his words more wisely because like like i said again about like boiling down drag so yeah you can boil it down to just a man um putting on makeup and being like okay it's only a man that can do that but then also if you really want to go back you gotta go back to you know paris is burning and all the um the black ball scenes and you have to think like these, these are places where drag was kind of less of a, it was a performance, but it was less of something that you did as a job and more as a place where you could live freely. And these were all African American trans people. So if you're going to, and they, they pretty much started the, um, I wouldn't say they didn't, they had a huge part in main like mainstreaming drag. Um, and if you're going to say, if you're going to kind of like discredit their contribution to it, and if you're going to say no trans people on the show, you're discrediting, discrediting drag itself, which is basically saying that you don't know enough about your own occupation <laughs> and you're telling people that they can't do it. <laughs> well, the one thing that see that that article didn't really bother me, but there was another article that was floating around on Twitter that I saw that got everybody very upset. It was basically him saying that um, people on hormone replacement therapy are at an advantage because it's basically like taking steroids, essentially, you know how like bodybuilders take steroids, the same thing he yeah. is basically saying about this is from so- this is from somebody who says he doesn't i mean they judge on looks but they they don't judge on beauty really mm-hmm. i mean you could say they do to extent but it's more so they judge on talent and charisma unique <laughs> charisma unique uniqueness nerve and talent c-u-n-t um <laughs> <laughs> and so like 
yeah, I shouldn't. I guess it really shouldn't matter, like what gender you are or what, what if you're transitioning or not. As long as you're talented enough to be there, why can't you be there? People uh, were people were upset about his apology too. But uh, well, yeah, he made a mockery of his apology, which made everything even worse. Yeah, so it's just like. It bothers me because like I really want to be Team RuPaul. Like I really liked what he stand stood for. Like he was super punk rock. He you know he really revolutionized drag and everything. But this is just a mess. Yeah, it's kind of seeing someone you looked up to for so long just being like, haha, just kidding about everything, you know. Like, so I get why I do understand why it sucks, and I do understand why like the trans community as well as just the LGBT community in general is really upset by it. It's just I wish he would just choose his words care more carefully because I really don't think that he's caused any major, you know, at least public drama like this before. So I think this is kind of like his first kind of real yeah. backlash in the public eye. And it just kind of bums me out because I know a lot of people that love drag race. You know, I know a lot of people that are LGBTQ that love drag race. I know a lot of straight people that like drag race. It's just like I wish that he would have phrased things better because in, at least in the first article, I really don't think he meant like a fuck you to trans people. I think he just meant it. You know, this is a space that I created for the breakdown of toxic masculinity. And I don't really yeah. want women in this space. And that's the thing. He he's the most um, successful drag queen ever. And he he, he claimed he like he claimed his own space. You know, yes, it's it's his show. But if you like if you're going to um, if you're going to put it as public as it is, you kind of have to you have to like negotiate and you have to compromise and you can't just be all me, 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 you know, like you're talking about a community that's always been very marginalized and who has looked to each other for support. And then you're going to say, okay, I support you guys as long as I, as long as you're like me, but then the rest of you can like go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh yeah. man, it's such a mess. And I, I just wanted to bring it up. I know that, you know, we kind of strayed away from like the whole um, Oscars thing and, the whole movies thing but I did want to bring that up because it is something that's been happening in the past couple of weeks and I didn't really want to ignore it because I did want to comment because I originally did say on Facebook that I I was in defense of what he was saying in the first article but I'm not really in much defense of him now because I really don't like the way that he worded a lot of things in the second article that I found and I really didn't like his apology so I hope that more comes up for that but I'm I'm glad that this is the first time that he's done something ridiculous because it makes me feel like he can do better. He's just doing a bad job right now. <laughs> so yeah. I'm still kind of rooting for RuPaul, but I just kind of hope he cleans it up a little bit and maybe does a real apology. <laughs> yeah, and not on not just on Twitter. Like, make it real. Actually, care. You know. Yeah, put it on your show. Maybe. Yeah, it's not too late to come back from it. Just make sure it makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. So getting back to um, film, we Pat's been dying to talk about this forever. Uh, we just wanted to wait for the Oscars episode to do so. <sighs> We're going to talk about Uma Thurman. We're going to talk about the uh, New York Times article that came out about her Harvey Weinstein um, sexual assault encounter. Pat has a lot of feelings about it, so I'm going to kind of leave him to that. I haven't read the article, unfortunately. I know I've had a lot of time to do so, but I knew he had a lot. I knew he had a lot to say about it, so I was just kind of let him go with it, and I was just gonna listen and learn. So, take uh, it away. <laughs> all right. So, as far as like strong women in cinema come, Uma Thurman is kind of like a pinnacle. Um, you think of look at any movie she's really ever been in that gains her a lot of success: Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill. You know, you and I mean, Quincy. She 
is Quentin Tarantino's muse. At least that's what he calls her. And I kind of, I've been waiting for her to release a statement ever since a reporter asked her, like, what do you think about the Harvey Weinstein? Because she's worked very, very closely with Harvey Weinstein from the beginning of her career till right now, you know, and just to hear that somebody that like I looked up to so much in my life since I was in maybe like fourth grade, you know, just to hear that like even like someone as strong as Uma Thurman can kind of be beaten down by this type of person is really shocking and jarring and sickening. And I like what Uma Thurman did because not only did she tell her story about how he tried to assault her, but about how, you know, like what happened before, during and after. And then she also had opened it up to not only the sexual aspects, but actually, you know, um, like emotional abuse, um, like all these pressures you face on set as an actress, because every... Every, pretty much every actress or actor you see on screen is are part of the scr- uh, Screen Actors Guild. And that is basically a union to protect them from doing dangerous things on set. You know, like if you're an actress, you're not really supposed to drive. You're not supposed to smoke actual cigarettes on screen. These are all things that you have to sign your consent to. You have to get a lawyer involved because the Screen Actors Guild won't allow it. And then so... Not only did Uma Thurman literally like rip into Harvey Weinstein, she like brought up Quentin Tarantino too. This is a guy who really made her career what it was. And I like the fact that she told her story and then didn't leave it at that, but posted a video on her Instagram of the actual incident. She almost freaking, she almost died because Quentin Tarantino pressured, Quentin Tarantino and Harvey Weinstein pressured her to drive uh, down this super rocky road and they wouldn't take no for an answer and they kept pressuring her and pressuring her. They threatened her. When she finally agreed to do it, she got into an accident which really, you know, could have seriously hurt her and I'm sure she did get hurt from it. And people might be saying, oh, well, she's an actress, you know, that's to be expected. Tons of people do their own stunts. No, look at, like, if you're at any job, you should not have to go to work that day thinking it, like, Am I going to get injured today? Like, am I going to get hurt? It's it's something you should never think of. But I don't know. Yeah, just her whole encounter with it and how she had to wait this long because Harvey Weinstein threatened to destroy her career, which seems to be like the common thread with all these um, stories, which kind of is scary that how fast somebody in Hollywood can ruin your career, even though you work so hard at it. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's really sad to see her, but it's also really empowering because, um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot of feelings involved in it. It was just like, I think, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just, it was very, she, I think she, what, how she presented it was very smart. And very well thought out. She waited for it too because she did. Yeah, there was a. I don't know if it was the video that you were talking about, but there was a video where somebody came up to her and interviewed her and asked her um, what she thought about it or something. I think we're talking about the same video. Yeah, and, and she kind of like showed so much restraint and she didn't say anything. Exactly. She said, "I will make a statement, but as of now, I'm like too angry to say anything." So she, you know, she gathers herself so she wouldn't say do something irrational, which I think is she deserves the right to be rea- irrational with what she's been through. But I think like as, you know, like a mature adult woman that 
she did it in a very um, smart way. Well, you like everybody felt how mad she was and how much restraint it took because she mm-hmm. she spoke so slowly. Yeah, like she she spoke like I will make a statement <laughs> when I'm ready. Like yeah. I don't know if those were her exact words, you but that's basically. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I you know. I just want to dance like Uma Thurman. But yeah, she like, and it's, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, we- it was very like personal to me because I grew up like basically idolizing, not, yeah, like idolizing her because I thought she was incredible. I think you she's incredible. Yeah. I love Kill Bill. I have a post. I have two posters of her in my room. You like Pulp Fiction and Kill Bill. Yeah. So it was, and then it was, yeah, it was kind of sad to see that. Quentin Tarantino was such a dick, but let's be real. Nobody was surprised by that. That guy is the weirdest motherfucker I've ever seen. <laughs> so it's but, kind of a bummer though, because like that was kind of like who you grew up with. Like you, you loved those movies. Yeah. You kind of loved him as a director, you know? I mean, I still think he's a genius and I think that he made a mistake and he publicly has acknowledged he's made a mistake. And as of now, there are no allegations against him except for that one. Mm-hmm. So he might be weird, but he's not dangerous at least he didn't sexually assault her so that's something that we can you know thank god for now another another actress who (laughs) pat and i wanted to talk about was rose mcgowan because she is a part of the harvey weinstein accusation um ring i guess she (laughs) you guys have probably seen all over the internet but rose mcgowan has lost her shit on many of occasions recently (laughs) Oh, Lord Jesus. I don't even know which one to start with because there's like five that I have bookmarked that I wanted to, you know, kind of mm-hmm. go through. But we'll talk about the one that was all over Twitter when it happened is the Barnes and Noble situation. Oh, God. You know, it's so weird. Not only do I have a poster of Rose McGowan on my wall as well, but I work at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> You love Jawbreaker. I love, oh my God, Jawbreaker. <laughs> one of my favorite movies, honestly. <laughs> so good. Pat loves Rose McGowan. I do. I really, really, really love Rose McGowan. So it's kind of sad to see her losing her composure. Um, It was just so, it, it was like. She's had a rough life, honestly. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely, you know, <sighs> Well, what happened was, for all of you that don't know, is there was, uh, Rose was doing a book tour, and she was at a Barnes and & Noble, and the, in the middle of her speaking, there was a trans woman who kind of shouted at her and said, what if uh, trans women are dying, and you said that we as trans women are not like regular women, we get raped more often, we go through domestic violence more often, there was a trans woman killed here a few blocks away, I have been followed home. And then Rose immediately responded and said, hold on. So am I. We are all the same. My point was we are the same. There's an entire show. Uh, there's an entire show called ID Channel, a network dedicated to women getting abused, murdered, sexualized, violated. And you're a part of that too, sister. It's the same. And then she said, I do not subscribe to your rules. I do not subscribe. I do not subscribe to your language. You will not put labels on me or anyone. Step the fuck back. What do you, what do I, what I do for the fucking world and you should be fucking grateful. Shut the fuck up. And then um, the trans woman was escorted out. And then later we found out that the uh, trans woman was a sexual abuser and an all around terrible person. So that was interesting to (laughs) come to light after that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But it just bothers me because Rose McGowan, I feel like she didn't mean to say all of that, but she was just in such a fit of rage. Kind of like what Uma Thurman probably would have done if Uma Thurman had reacted. Well, yeah, if someone's attacking you, you're going to retaliate. Right. (laughs) So a lot of people were were mad and they call Rose McGowan a white feminist. I don't know anything really about Rose McGowan, so I can't really say much on that but just based on this okay. I, you know it's just all bad and, <laughs> and i found a lot of other stuff too well yeah so i've been following rose mcgowan for a couple years um she was one of the first major actresses to come out with um her story about harvey weinstein actually raping her so that was really really sad and she's always like as she's gotten older, she's kind of moved away from acting a little bit to concentrate more on artistic ventures, which, you know, good, all power to you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, I don't know. It's like a very, I feel like with her situation, it's kind of, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like for some, for, I want, I want to support her, but I really, yeah, I kind of do think that she's one of those um, white feminists. Yeah, like, <laughs> like she kind of just she does so things kind of a little bit more for herself than for a community. Yeah, it seems that way. Like, I have a couple articles. Articles, like I was saying, uh, there was one that says Rose McGowan hasn't been shy in voicing her disdain, his her distaste for the Golden Globe silent protest movement, and doesn't seem to be letting it go anytime soon. She mm. started discussing it on Twitter. She wrote, "And not one of those fancy people wearing black to honor our rapes would have lifted a finger had it not been so." Had it, yeah, had it not been so. I have no time for Hollywood fakery, but. Uh, you I love Asia Argento and Asia Argento is Dario Argento's daughter who and he made Suspiria which is like a classic horror film and now she's her she's actually an, um, a director as well I just think that here's another one about the Golden Globes hold on let me pull it up quick Rose McGowan had a lot to say about the Golden Globes because she was pissed off at the um Everybody wearing black. It said uh, the title says Rose McGowan slams media calls award show protest a band aid to make yourself feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand I mean, what I, I've been well, through for twenty years? <laughs> yeah, I. She is definitely you know she's maybe she's putting in the work. She's <laughs> she's you know she kind of isn't one of those celebrities I guess sitting back and just posting an Instagram post once in a while saying. Yeah, I agree. Like, <laughs> like she's she's going around. She's ta- speaking. She's doing TED talks. Maybe not TED talks. She's doing talks. Um, she's on. She's on podcasts. Yeah. So I just think that she needs to stop reacting to, um, like so violently to things because it kind of discredits what she's trying to do. Right. Like if she was just reacting normally, or she was just taking her time to we- to make a well thought out argument, yeah, people wouldn't be so upset. Exactly. If someone has, if someone comes up to her and says something like, "Well, you said this this one time," like, she freaks and out. It, yeah, it goes kind of against what you're doing now. Like, why? And instead of yeah, instead of her cursing them out, maybe just be like, "Okay, yeah, I might have said that. I apologize. Like, tell me what I can do to make it better." It's, it's like, like sometimes instead of just constantly um, trying to relate to somebody or like, you know, kind of being like, well, I did this and I did that. You have to just listen and, and, you know, ask, be like, all right, so you feel that way. Like, how can I, as a woman in this public 
spotlight? What like what can I do to help? It's just the the one thing that I really hated that everybody else hated was when she's like, you should be fucking grateful that for the things that I've done. And it's like, well, if you're doing it because you want to, nobody should be grateful. You should just be doing it because you want to. Just yeah, exactly. Don't do there. it so you can wear it. Like, don't do it so you can hold it against people in the future. Right. It's it's just if you're doing something because you want to brag about it or you want to hold it over someone's head, you're not doing charity. It's not charity at that point. You're not doing exactly. it out of the kindness of your heart. You know, if you have to brag about it, it's not charity. I'll always yeah. say that. No. Ugh, Rose. So yeah. I, <laughs> I'm just going to stop talking about Rose because there's just like a lot to unpack there. And I just wanted to bring up the Barnes and Noble thing and just kind of touch on that for a little bit. But we're going to go on to my other thing that I wanted to talk about that actually happened a little while ago. But again, I was waiting for Pat to react on it. This is from January, actually. So this is a couple months old. But Radiohead tried to sue Lana Del Rey. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe this was a right. thing. And I, I swear to God, if any Radiohead fan comments on this being like, well, they're the greatest band of all time. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> all right. Bye. Well, chill the fuck down. The 90s ended 20 years ago. Oh, oof. Um, that was so long ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but oh. all right. Not. Can I just say something? Yes. Please. If some all right, if we were to sue every single person whose two songs sound alike, there would be no music. It's true. Just it's, and if you ever listen to the the Lana review episode, "Get Free" is one of my favorite songs. "Get Free" when I first heard it, I thought it was unique. I thought it was something. I thought it was like deep. I thought it was powerful. It still is. Yeah, I think it's an amazing song. I think it have a, has like a lot of meaning, and I think it's one of her. Like it's definitely up there, writing wise and production wise, with one of her best songs. I mean, and then you have you have Radiohead suing suing her for a song that they got sued for. How does that even work? It's ridiculous. Although I know my song wasn't inspired by Creep Radiohead, feel it was and want a hundred percent of the publishing. Sorry, it was you know, in the middle of coffee in my throat. <laughs> but she felt that they, Radiohead felt that they deserved a hundred percent of the publishing. Not, I think that she offered them 40 or 50%. I can't think of. The yeah. Shorter than 40. Oh, she, it says right here. I offered up 40 over the last few months, but they only will accept a hundred. Their lawyers have been relentless. So we will have to deal with it in court. And I'm just like, and that's what? how you handle it. Like that's how you, she, I love her. <laughs> She, you know, she was completely transparent about it. You know, people asked and she told the truth. That's how you handle something like this. And if they don't like it, because then I think Radiohead was just like, oh, what do you mean? We're not suing her. Oh, but like, yeah, more or less. All right. You think what? She's just going to go on Twitter and write this random fucking tweet about a band that nobody really even listens to anymore because she's in the mood. No, like obviously <laughs> you're pursuing her because you think that. Uh, <laughs> well she wrote i just want i just want to let you know regardless if it gets taken off everything that those sentiments that i wrote that i am really am going to strive for them even if that song is not on future physical releases of the record i just wanted to let you know that for the kids and for the not kids who are the real fans who are here that's probably the last thing i'll say about it yes so yeah. yes to all of it yes no she should not have to compromise her artistic integrity because somebody thinks that they're 
the the song that they got sued for, which they actually forfeited over most of their profits for, sounds similar to hers. You know, it doesn't work out. It's so it's such warped logic, logic, and it's bad for the music industry. I love this. The day after she tweeted that, it says Radiohead's publisher denies that any such lawsuit exists, but explains that they are asking for Radiohead to be credited on the song. A statement from Warner and Chapel reads, as Radiohead... I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> did they play the instruments and did they like, write the lyrics and then they sing the song? Did they release it on their own? No. I so what the fuck do they want 100% of the proceeds for? Are you, right. Like... It makes no sense. As Radiohead's music publisher, it's true that we've been in discussion since August of last year with Lana Del Rey's representative. It's clear that the verses of Get Free use musical elements found in the verses of Creep, and we've requested that this be acknowledged in favor of all writers of Creep. I, <laughs> to set the just... record straight, no lawsuit has been issued, and Radiohead have not said they will, quote-unquote, will ex- only accept 100% of the publishing of oh, Get Free. Give me a yes, break. Lana Del Rey, one person that is never controversial on anything. The one person, <laughs> yeah, the one un- truly unproblematic fave ever and i guess yeah, <laughs> that exists <laughs> that exists yeah she's going after radiohead right and she's lying about this only will accept a hundred a hundred percent thing yeah. like oh, because if off. you li- if you line up not even all right so if you line up creep and get free at the same time they sound somewhat similar if you start them at the same time they don't so <laughs> it was a reach it was a reach it's kind of like you know it wasn't like ed sheeran and no scrubs like <laughs> yeah that's which well, he did the right thing and he yeah. paid them their royalties or whatever yeah but it's funny because the whole meaning of get free as a song is that trying not to adhere to people's rules or like people's i get yeah like have people's influences over your life and that's basically what radiohead is trying to do they're trying to tell her you made this piece of art but we so want it, it. kind of yeah we, it's it's ours now <laughs> like, we we want this because yeah. creep is the best song ever made and everybody will support this <laughs> it just doesn't well obviously they, it didn't oh also i just want to say one thing that the they won't even play creep at their live shows anymore because the lead singer hates it <laughs> it's just so funny because i think that they use that as a as a um as a marketing tool like this was like a fake lawsuit just because lana del rey just put out a great album and they were irrelevant so yeah. <laughs> so i mean like respect to radiohead for being iconic but also that lawsuit is ridiculous yeah so you know just because you're iconic doesn't mean you get to pull shit like that yeah <laughs> next <laughs> next well speaking of next we're going to move on to the other lana del rey thing that happened that is actually a lot worse and more scary is that um when was it it was actually in january uh no it was in february in february so like about a month ago there was a there was a man who tried to stalk and kidnap lana del rey it says, uh, police arrested a man outside Lana Del Rey's concert in Orlando Friday night, which was February 2nd, for aggravated stalking and attempting to kidnap the singer with a weapon. The suspect, 43-year-old man, I won't say his name because it's irrelevant, was not able to make contact with Del Rey before police found him just a block away from the Amway Center in downtown Orlando, Florida, where Del Rey was expected to perform. The Orlando Sentinel reports officials said that they received a tip that the stalker has shared cryptic and threatening posts towards del rey on social media yeah he like flat out was like i can't wait oh there to like well that's (laughs) he flat out was like i can't wait to be together i can't believe you wrote this song about us like all this other crazy shit and it's scary because that's how christina crummy got shot exactly it's a bit it is a problem it's you know 
especially in America where we idolize celebrities so much, it's it's becoming a problem. Like where these celebrities' lives are in danger. And it hit it hit home for me, obviously. This was two weeks after I saw her live. So yeah <laughs> talk about timing i know like i don't even know what else to say like people get really carried away and you know what's weird it's just like he's insane but like her fans are fucking nuts yeah and like as a fan i too am a little bit crazy <laughs> oh, i mean you're not gonna say everyone knows that i'm here lana knows i'm here the queen of england knows i'm here vladimir knows i'm here they all know i'm here <laughs> yeah so they also they attribute it to a mental illness because he like goes very like completely delusional and actually believed this to be true so i mean yeah it's just it's it scares the shit out of me because that's how christina grimmy got shot because there was a fanatic obsessed fan who you know selena yeah i mean of course yeah how can you forget that i mean well even like with selena like come on like have john lennon have we learned (laughs) nothing in the past like what is it 30 40 years now maybe only 20 years but i mean it's over at least a decade since these iconic murders have happened you can't bring a water bottle to a show because it's dangerous oh yeah let's well, bring a fucking gun like, well that's the thing and that's security like, hasn't gotten stricter that's another thing that's like i i hate that i feel uncomfortable going to shows now but like you kind of have to i mean you look you look at the ariana grande concert yeah you look at like, the las vegas shooting it's one place where you go to kind of um I don't know, just, just to have fun. Like yeah. that, The only goal to go, to go to a concert is to have fun and see like a person you like on stage. You shouldn't have to worry about if your health is going to be at stake. So it's scary. It's getting very scary. Um, and they're not doing anything about it. Like I said, yeah. the, I've, I've been to plenty of shows since, you know, all of these incident, incidents have taken place. And mm-hmm. it's just like there's no extra security. Like I don't feel any safer there's really nothing. I, I went to a Dua Lipa show with my friend, and there was one point where we both looked to the right of us, and in like the opera seating, mm-hmm. six six security guards maybe were running up and down the stairs, and even Dua Lipa like caught notice of it, and she at the end of her song, she was like, you know, the band started playing, she was like, wait, wait, can we stop for a second? I want to say something. And she was like, I just want you, all of you to feel safe. I want you to feel safe that you're here. I want to create an at like environment where you don't have to worry about getting hurt or anything. And if a celebrity, like if an artist has to stop their show just to say that, then there's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just genuinely terrified because, you know, it only takes one crazy stalker to just pull out a gun or a knife. And I don't know if they said he was armed or not, but he tried to kidnap her. So, I mean... That's really fucking terrible as it is, even if he wasn't intending to harm her. You know, what if he had what if he had gotten to kidnap her? What if he, you know, assaulted her? What if he did terrible things to her? And it's like Exactly. And Lana is one of those people that it's very physical with her fans. You know, she hugs, she kisses them. Um, she always signs everything after a show. She she knows her fans on a first name basis and they're it's kind of easy to get close to her so just if this guy like got close enough who knows what have ha- what would have happened this is scares me about like yeah. um whenever i see paramore get uh, photos taken from like an airport or like recently i just saw a photo online 
mm-hmm. a fan shared of Haley was out to lunch or something with her mom and it looked like and in the corner of the photo it looks like they didn't even touch their food yet and people are going up to her and asking her for photos and it's like where is the line between artist and person and it's just it yeah. it really scares and bothers me because it's like you know a lot of artists and bands you know they're easily accessible like Paramore is probably the easiest band to be accessible that they're the most easily accessible band on the internet at least in my community and it it does feel like a friendship between all of us you know between the band and all of the fans like it just feels like we're all friends it feels like we're all being friendly it feels like they know our names and they know who we are and all of this stuff it just feels like a really wholesome family vibe And it just, it bums me out because I feel, and a lot of people I know feel that we, we're, we're friends with these people and they're getting like berated and attacked and harassed. And, you know, if somebody came up to me while I was in the middle of eating and asked for a photo, I'd be pretty annoyed. And this has to happen to her all the time where she's probably used to it, but it doesn't mean that it's getting any better or it's getting any easier. And it's just like, where is the line? Like paparazzis too. Like I know that they're doing a job, but also the reason why they have a job being a paparazzi is because we're so engulfed in quote-unquote celebrities and famous people and it's just like why you know it's such a I I keep saying it and it's true it's such a social construct you know fame and celebrity it wouldn't be a thing if we didn't make it a thing you know if we didn't make magazines and if we didn't care why Kylie Jenner was putting on makeup instead of watching her one-year-old or you know what have you like why why do we care why do we care so much? Why do we need photos of... Because it distracts from our own lives. I guess so. Like, why do I need a photo at Haley, with Haley Williams at the airport? Why do I need to take a photo as proof to show my friends on the internet that I disturbed her eating lunch with her mom? It's just like, it's crazy to me. And then going back to the Lana Del Rey thing, it's just like, there are people, you know, there are people that ask for a photo and they're fine with it. There are people that are not fine with it and they just need to kidnap and stalk somebody. You know, it's just like, I, I don't know how these people do it. And I give them a lot of credit because... It's just, it just needs to end. Yeah. Oh, my poor Lana. <laughs> More or less. And speaking of, I just wanted to touch on something really, really super quick. Um, while we were talking about um, boundaries <laughs> and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Um, the Fifty Shades movies, they are finished. They're complete. Thank fucking God. But one thing that really bothered me is a lot of people ask Jamie Dornan in interviews if if and why his wife has not seen the 50 shades movies and like i saw the third one right and spoiler alert well i don't even know if it's a fucking spoiler at this point like who really cares but spoiler alert at one point like jamie dornan either they're doing some cgi shit or whatever but he's literally licking dakota johnson's nipples and i'm sorry even though even if i was married to an actor I don't want to see that, you know, just because like same thing if you were doing porn, that's great. If you're doing porn, it's a job, whatever. But like, I don't want to watch you fuck someone else. Like, I don't want you to, I don't want to see you do that just because you're doing it. That's cool. But you can do that separate from me. I don't need to see it. And I'm just like so sick of that being the common question for him. And obviously he kind of shows that he hates being Christian Grey. He's kind of happy it's over. I love his disdain for Christian Grey, as much as I love Robert Pattinson's disdain for Edward Cullen. Those are my two favorite things. And it's just like, I would never want to see, even if my husband was professional, I don't want to see him lick another girl's nipples. I just don't. Maybe that's just weird of me, but I can't, 
understand why people keep asking that. And I think it's really annoying that we can't separate that we can't see people as humans because, you know, you wouldn't ask her like I wouldn't ask Pat that I wouldn't ask Pat like why why isn't your significant other watching you fuck someone else? You know, like I wouldn't ask you that. So why are you asking a stranger that? Uh, because there is <laughs> there's no line between what's appropriate and what isn't. We just assume because their celebrities are always working and that we're like they kind of work for us. It's just it it, it frustrates me and yeah. it makes me v sad. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's just it's just honestly it's America. <laughs> it is. Trump's America. Yeah. And uh I mean yeah, like hello, we have a celebrity in office. Well, that's that's the fucking thing there yeah. it is so well and last and as much as you want to <laughs> deny it anybody it's true <laughs> stop making rich people famous well more famous <laughs> destroy the rich eat the rich <laughs> and one last random tidbit that i had on my list of things mm-hmm. that i wanted to talk about was <laughs> zalia banks had wanted to collaborate with grimes <sighs> I just wanted to mention it because me and Pat are not fans of Azalea Banks because she's Is problematic as fans of Azalea Banks? Apparently people she... are fans of her. Well, then why won't they buy her music? <laughs> There's, I'm not even going to read all this because to be honest, I could just sum it up. Azalea Banks is problematic. I, don't, I shouldn't have to prove that because she proves it to her. There's too many <laughs> to receipts. Everyone. There's way there... too many receipts. I have seven staring yeah. at me. It's like... But she, I don't know. She... She just needs to. Uh, She's transphobic. She needs to log off. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so somebody take away her internet. <laughs> seriously, that's one person that needs to stop interneting. Mm-hmm. I know? used to be a huge fan of Zelia Banks because her music is, it's like they're bops. You know, she is an incredible lyricist, great rapper, good singer, chooses great production on her songs, and all around great artist. But her public persona sucks. It's terrible. Yeah, she re- she single-handedly self-sabotaged her entire career and blamed it on everybody else. For the past, like, four years, though. Yeah. Like, it just n- hasn't oh, stopped. Yeah. <laughs> like, she, it this, just yeah, stay stop. away from Grimes. Stay stay Grimes. very far away from Grimes. It's she just, is an angel. It's so... An art angel. <laughs> LOL. It's just funny because Azalea Banks wants to collaborate with the most... Um, <laughs> The most LGBTQ supportive person who's doing everything that she can for marginalized yeah. groups and all of that. The, mo- yeah, the most artistic, supportive, sweet person who literally said that when someone asked, they were like, "What? how do you define success? And she said, going on tour with Lana Del Rey is how I define success. I mean, same. Like, this girl is an independent producer, writer, singer, um, instrument player. <laughs> like, she... Like She's honestly, she does. Threat. Yeah, she can work with anybody in the in in the industry that she wants to. She does not need to work with Cecilia Banks. No one yeah. I don't think she I don't think she would, honestly. I think that she knows she much wouldn't. better. Yeah. I don't think Azalea Banks even is gonna really uh, you yeah. know, insist on it. But as um Grimes and Janelle Monet working together, I love that. I'm I love them that. so much. I, I love both of them. They're I'm like totally here for them. Yeah, they're both so supportive of each other. Check their Twitters. And, like, every time they release something, they just, like, tweet back and forth at each other. It's incredible. So cute. Yeah. And, like... Uh, females yeah. supporting females. Yeah. I mean, women supporting women. I don't know why I said females. I, I fucking hate when people say that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> There's been so many things that I, I've hated in the past, like, 20 minutes of speaking that I, <laughs> I apologize for that. Women supporting women. That's what I want. That's the future that I'm looking forward to. Hell, yeah. Yeah. 
All right, that's all I had. <laughs> so I'm um, just a couple of tidbits before we go. A um, couple of album announcements. Churches is releasing a new album. Oh. They have, I think, two new songs out. They're great for uh, some miracle. The mm-hmm. Pulse, which I'm now listening to at work, no longer The Blend, by The Blend. They never got back to me. <laughs> <laughs> the Pulse is playing new churches. They're also playing um, a Rose Colored Boy by Paramore, which I have not heard yet, but Chad told me that they were. <sighs> Yes, a bob. Love it. We love the video. Um, so Church is coming out with a new record. Now Now finally has a release date for their record. Thank fucking God. It's in May. Uh, pre-orders are not up yet. Pre-orders for Churches is, is up yet. So that's good. Um, who else is releasing music? Oh, my God. I had another one off the top of my head. Uh, oh, Lily Allen. Lily Allen oh, is releasing. okay. Yeah, I think I that's coming. I haven't heard coming. from her in a little bit. I know. I think that's coming out in May, too. I like her. Yeah, May is going to be a huge month for music. Yeah. Um, oh, I want to I wanna plug something. Oh, please do. <laughs> Janelle Monet. Oh, we love Janelle. <laughs> oh, her new album, Dirty Computer. I think it's coming out next month. And talk about everyone, do yourself a favor. Go watch Make Me Feel to see her um, coming out story not not a story but just her declaration of bisexuality incredible super well done great song and then go watch Django Jane which is a female woman (laughs) african-american woman empowerment rap and it's incredible I love it yeah check both of them I can't stop listening to them both have videos too and they're both fantastic we were listening to it in the car and I really liked it yeah so definitely check out Janelle Monet. Paramore is blessing us and not well, us, not my bank account, with another North American tour that's starting in June. That's running from June to the end of July. And that's going to be really cool. I don't know how many dates I'm going on. Please don't ask me because it's stressing me out. <laughs> my, my bank account hurts thinking about it. You got to break open the piggy bank. Seriously. Pre-sale, pre-sale is tomorrow. I'm putting this episode up uh, at some point How many kidneys tonight. do you have? Oh, not enough. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have special organs aside for Paramore tickets. So check out Paramore Marketplace for all your organ needs. <laughs> That's what I'm... You laugh, but Paramore Marketplace is known for organ sales. So Good. <laughs> I, I need another appendix. I'll, I'll give you one for free. You can't have mine because I don't have one anymore. Um, so Paramore is doing that tour. It's called Tour 5, the After Laughter Tour, which is really cool that they're finally naming the tour after the record after five tours. And Half Noise is going on tour in May as well. I will be in Nashville pending uh, you know, things, but I have the ticket and I have the flights, so I'm going to Nashville in May. <laughs> So um, if you if you are in Nashville and you're going to the Half Noise show, I probably won't say hi to you, but you could say hi to me because, you know, social anxiety. What up? Um, I think that there is another person releasing music and I can't think about it off the top of my head because there's a lot of cool shit happening. So I apologize. But if you guys follow me on Twitter, you know that I tweet about everything that I see and a lot of cool stuff that's coming up. So definitely check that out on Twitter, which is Rebel Hearts Girl, as you know, as you guys probably already know. So that's all of the points that I had for today. Thank you guys for being patient for this episode. Um, thanks, Pat, for you know overeating Outback and drinking oh. iced coffee on a full <laughs> stomach with me. Oh, yeah. No problem. <laughs> it's our thing. My ulcers love it. <laughs> At least you didn't have uh, any milk, so that's, <laughs> that's good. So... <laughs> <laughs> so that's it that we have today um i'll probably bring pat back again uh 
sooner rather than later. I have a couple of things planned. We definitely want to do a couple more review episodes. We definitely want to do some Charlie XCX and some Angel Olsen and everything. I keep running polls on Twitter, so please be a part of them so I know what you guys want to listen to and what me and Pat should talk about. Um, thank you guys for letting us talk about movies because we love movies. I love movies. Pat's favorite thing is movies, so anytime you guys want to hear about movies, you can expect him to be on. So... That is all we have for today. You guys can find me on social media. I am on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash Rebel Hearts Podcast. The website is rebelheartspodcast.com. I have new stuff up on the web store with my friend. <laughs> Am I even going to try and say her name? Kate tried to say her name today and fucking butchered it. But Ilaria, you German princess, I love you. Um, Italian princess. I don't know what you are. I'm sorry. I love you, though. Um, she and I collabed on a no friend shirt surprise. <laughs> so that's up on the web store, uh, rebel hearts podcast at big com, or you could just go on the website and all the links for everything are there. Me and adora Chloe collabed on a t-shirt as well. And I made like 7,000 things with her design because she is an art angel and she made me a design without me even knowing. And I love her so much and I can't wait to give her all of the things that she bought on Parahoy. <laughs> Uh, you guys can also find me on Twitter again at Rebel Hearts Girl, and you can find me on email if you want to email me any submissions or anything. It's Rebel Hearts Podcast at gmail.com. And Instagram is Samus Socks. Check out, I do a lot of stories because it is my personal Instagram, so I don't like to spam my friends with podcast related things. So always check my Instagram stories for things and updates and everything, or subscribe to the website so you guys can get the first to know about episodes and all of that jazz. So before me and Pat go for the night, I just want to tell you guys about the band that I have for you. They're a really cool band called X's. I actually found them from a Vinyl Moon subscription uh, YouTube video that I saw. I did do a Vinyl Moon unboxing on Kate's channel. I will link it in the show notes so you guys can take a look. Vinyl Moon is a really cool subscription-based uh, vinyl service. They do uh, vinyl mixtapes. I think it's $30 a month. And they feature a lot of cool independent bands and they do a lot of cool independent art by independent artists. So this band was on an unboxing, I think, from January. I could be wrong about that, but I believe it was January. If you're a member, you can also get back issues of the record. So definitely check that out. So again, the band is called X's. They're from Los Angeles, California. And the song is called 20,000. And it's from their 2016 album, The Art of Saying Goodbye. So that's all we have for you guys today. See you guys at the front. Here, here is X's.
Time.